Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is author Nicole Bell, who delivers a captivating and vulnerable account of her husband's journey with early onset Alzheimer's disease in her book, What Lurks in the Woods. This book will inspire people who are suffering from chronic symptom-based illnesses to dig deeper so they can find and treat the root causes of their disease before it's too late. Welcome to Lifeology. Well, thank you for having me. I am looking forward to this. Unfortunately, we had to meet under these circumstances of what that's hap- what's happened in your life and in your family's life. And so first off, before we get started, I want to honor everything that happened and know that we as listeners, uh, our heart goes out to you and your family. And we just truly want to, on- like I said, honor everything you've experienced. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. You are... are- are in the medical device field. You're an engineer by training as well. And so you are a brilliant woman. Um, and so I think anytime things happen in people's lives, sometimes we're surprised that we have the skill set already within us or the background within us to be able to move beyond what circumstances or situations may say. And so because of what happened, and we'll get to that in just a second, what happened with, with your husband, you had the ability and the tenacity and the, the intelligence and, and everything to be able to, to talk with us today about people who have an illness that just can't be described. Can you walk us through what happened with, with your husband? Because I was reading about him. He sounds like an amazing person. Yeah. I mean, he really was quite one of a kind. I mean, he was the smartest mm. person that I ever met. He was mm. uniquely hysterical in the way that he oh, interacted gosh. and the jokes that he told. Um, and we really had a fabulous relationship. I mean, we never argued. We were both engineers. And so we kind of just debated like facts <laughs> in, a, in a weird way that um, we 
you know, we just figured out who had the better argument and then we would, you know, really just make the most of it. And, but over time, his mood started to change. He got irritable, Uh he got depressed, he got angry and would have bouts of rage. And I attribute it to life factors. You know, he Mm -hmm. had taken a step back from work. He had a very successful career as an electrical uh, engineer, computer scientist, and kind of worked his way up to be an executive and startups and, and all sorts of new technologies. And, but he had taken a step back. It was kind of my time to Mm -hmm. shine. He was older than I was. Um, And so he said, I'll step back and be Mr. Mom and kind of take care of the kids because we have two young children. And, um, but then that didn't seem to work. And I said, well, if you don't want to stay at home, then go back to go back to work. Mm -hmm. But that didn't work either. And he was just irritable and started getting nasty. And to the point where I thought that we were headed for divorce, to be honest. Um, Oh gosh. Wow. But then, yeah, in 2016, I've realized it was something deeper. He started having memory issues. The first sign that I remember was that he forgot the house code to the security system for our house alarm. And, you know, then he started forgetting the time to pick up the kids and losing his keys and just all sorts of warning signs that mm-hmm. he said were fine and were normal. But as I watched and I started to really notice, I realized he was starting to have some significant cognitive decline. Wow. How old was he, if I may ask? So at the time he was 59, 60 when he started mm-hmm. having those issues. Yeah. So still wow, very young, so really young to be experiencing yeah, very cognitive young. decline. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Especially to be, yeah, to be that sharp in all other areas of his life, it would, it would be a, a huge flag of some sorts, but you know, once again, why would we think that? Because you know, it's everything just fine. I mean, no, who else, who would ever think, oh, this is potential Alzheimer's. I mean, that's not, that's not a normal go-to thought process. So what happened right. with, with that? So you, you, you decided, okay, let's, let's have some, I'm assuming cognitive testing done, some testing done in general. Yeah. So uh, we first started and went to an integrative practitioner. So I'm a big believer in holistic medicine and really Mm -hmm. trying to look at all avenues of health. And so I didn't want to go to the traditional medical system where we only Mm -hmm. had 15 minutes. I knew that we needed to Mm -hmm. go deeper. And the first thought that I had when we went there was Lyme disease because my husband was a hunter. He, He was constantly in the woods and I had read a lot about how Lyme led to cognitive decline and brain Mm-hmm. I think was really what I was fixated mm-hmm. on at the time. And so we went to an integrative practitioner. And the other thing that I flagged for him was he had exposure to heavy metals. So because he was a hunter oh, okay. and a big mm-hmm. shooter, he had a lot of exposure to lead. Um, mm-hmm. He did a lot of reloading and a lot of shooting. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you read about lead, there's lots of nasty things that it can lead to, yes, particularly for your cognitive function. And so we went to the practitioner and we had him tested for Lyme disease with a standard Western blot, which is what the CDC recommends. And he tested negative. Mm -hmm. Um, She ran a whole series of blood work and everything came back kind of quote unquote normal. Um, And then he had, she tested him for heavy metals and he was a little elevated, but it wasn't really alarming. And so she suggested that we go and see a neurologist. Um, and that was where mm. the cognitive testing and the cognitive assessment started. And um, the first time we sat down, we the I went to like a really detailed all day assessment, and he was 
performing a series of basic cognitive tests. I mean, keep in mind, this man was a computer engineer and he would do, you know, complex lines of code and, you know, all sorts of very complex problems. But they put up like very basic pattern matching exercises, you know, something that my five-year-old son could do at the time. And Mm -hmm. he was completely flabbergasted. He couldn't figure it out. And I was in awe. I was completely in awe because I knew that he had a problem, but I had no idea that it was that bad. You know, he wasn't working at the time. Yeah, he wasn't working. And so I had no idea that it had gotten that bad. And that was when they suggested we get some imaging done. And his PET scan um, revealed that he had late stage early onset Alzheimer's. And late, the late stage was another big baseball bat in the head that it was just that advanced at the time. I can't imagine the fear that must have been going through your life and your mind as you were seeing all this unfold, the, the, the rapid decline, and just, you know, as the quote facts showing you where he was. Can you walk me, can you tell me about that? I mean, the emotional part of that, because my heart just breaks just hearing this. I can't imagine, I can't imagine how it is for you and your family. I mean, it was honestly, it was really just disbelief. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the fact that, he had Alzheimer's. I mean, every time I heard that word, my stomach would turn in knots, you know, Mm -hmm. just turn in loops. And I couldn't accept that that was going on. And so, and I'm an engineer. I like to solve problems. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, so he has Alzheimer's. Everything that says that early onset Alzheimer's is usually linked to genetics. So we had him tested for every Mm -hmm. genetic marker Mm -hmm. that we could find and they were all negative. So he had no predisposition, no family history, None of it made sense. So I kept looking for sense. other answers. Yeah. So I would, of course, do my Dr. Google research, right? And we'd look <laughs> at all sorts of things that can lead to cognitive decline. And I had him tested for everything I could find. We tested his thyroid. I mean, I even tested mm-hmm. for infections like HIV and syphilis. You know, mm-hmm. talk about not mm-hmm. knowing yeah, which answer you want, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so we... um but everything kept coming back negative. And I went to neurologist after neurologist after neurologist, and we couldn't find any answers. And so at that point, it was getting to the point where I was going to give up hope. And actually, one of the most mm. horrible experiences where, you know, that I dealt with was we went to this neurologist who was the top neurologist in the area. Multiple people had sent us to him. He was the leading expert in dementia. And, you know, I went in, I had four pages of notes. I had all of my information. Mm -hmm. I had a list of questions. I had all of our scans and his medical history. And, you know, Russ left the room because he was so frustrated with all the cognitive tests. It can be very demoralizing when you can't perform. Mm -hmm. And so he stormed out of the room to go to the bathroom. And I literally begged the doctor. I'm like, doctor, I just don't understand why this is happening. You know, he's so young. He's declining so quickly. He has no genetic predisposition. Like all of my research says this doesn't make sense. And he just looked at me and he was like, well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Bell, but sometimes, you know, he used a swear word, which I won't use, but he said expletive happens. And I was like, Mm. I just remember being crushed. I'm like, this is all of the years of medical school, all the years of training, and that's the best that you have to offer me. And, you know, that and a prescription for either Namenda or Aricept, which, you know, might help. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it was just really eye-opening to the the plight of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's is there's really not a lot of answers out there. Um, And, you know, 
but I was determined to, to figure it out. But at that point I felt like I was losing hope. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so sorry. And I'm, I, and I'm sure many of the practitioners who hear you say that this person used uh, that, that phrase are probably churning, you know, incredibly shocked by how disrespectful and how invalidating that is. Uh, and so I, I, I'm just incredibly, incredibly sorry about that. When you had your first hit, your first hunch that it was Lyme disease, and they had they had the uh, the markers that were the evaluation that was done that the CDC suggests. How, how did you? How did well? Let me back up. How did you transition into say, well, wait a minute, some, there has to be something more. How did you know that it could be Lyme disease? How did you get to that realization? So in the early stages, it was really just because of his history, and he had been bitten by a okay. bunch of Makes ticks and, okay. uh, and so forth. But then when he tested negative, we, you know, we kind of went off the trail. Um, mm-hmm. But then later on, after I had that experience with neurology, um, you know, uh, several months later, my brother actually called me and it turns out that his wife had been dealing out with her own health issues for years. And she had had multiple multiple encounters with doctors and and a long story that I won't go into, but at the end of the day, she ended up being diagnosed with Lyme and three co-infections. And my brother's oh, a gosh. doctor. And so he, hmm. um, you know, started researching and he called me and he said, you know, Nick, I think that Lyme is what's causing Russ's problem as well. And of course I'm like, well, that was my first thought too, just because he's always in the mm-hmm. woods and mm-hmm. I've pulled dozens of ticks off of him and it yeah. just makes more sense than Alzheimer's, but he tested negative. And, you know, my brother talked to me and he explained to me that the standard test for Lyme is really grossly inadequate. Actually, now that I'm in the Lyme world, I've recent studies published in 2020 have shown that like 29% of people that have the characteristic rash, so they know that you have Lyme disease, only 29% of people test positive with the standard oh my gosh. CDC two-tier test. So it's it's almost criminal. Wow. <laughs> that that is. That only 20%. And oh my gosh. Yeah, 29%. And there's a few reasons for that. I mean, there's lots of different types of bacteria. The Borrelia burgdorferi is the most common, mm-hmm. but there's different versions of the bacteria that can mm-hmm. also lead to symptoms. Um, and yeah. then also- Babesiosa or something like that? Yeah, Babesia is a separate, that's a parasitic Babesia, infection okay. that goes along okay. with, um, with, uh, okay. with Lyme. And, okay. but Lyme, the, the bacteria tends to hide in tissues. And so it's not circulating. And then most importantly, it suppresses your immune system. When you have a chronic infection, mm. you, your immune system is suppressed. And so the antibodies that the tests are looking for are not in abundance. And you have to have uh, a very specific pattern of bands on this test of antibodies in order to test positive. So you're supposed to have five. Russ had one. So he showed some reaction, but not enough to flag the test. But later, my brother in this conversation, he said, well, don't have him tested for antibodies with the standard test. Go test him with PCR. So just like we used to test Mm. for COVID, right? You test for Mm -hmm. the actual bacteria itself, not for their immune system's response to the bacteria. Uh, And sure enough, when we tested him that way, he tested positive. And so he he was flagged for Borrelia, which is what causes Lyme disease, and also Bartonella, which is another co-infection. Yes, I've heard of that. You know, I've worked with a lot of people uh, and people I know in my life who have had Lyme disease. And so there's different ideas in the medical world. And um, some say it's 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 nothing. You know, other ones are saying, say, no, this is something we really need to study. And so unfortunately, you find different individuals who, different um, schools of thought, if you will. And that's why I agree with you 100% when it comes to 
when we are the patient or someone, there's something wrong, it's important to have a holistic approach in all areas. Always get as many, uh, you know, as many uh, opinions, professional opinions as possible and do your own research as well, because there's always an answer. There has to be an answer. When, when you figure this out, unfortunately, it sounds like it was too late to, to help your husband. Yeah. I mean, we, we still started treatment, you know, I think at that point Mm -hmm. we were hopeful because, you know, Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. figuring out that you have Lyme disease and you have an infection seems a lot more manageable than Alzheimer's, which is really a death sentence, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not much that they offer you. And so we went to find, you know, the top Lyme and Lyme literate physician that we could find in the area. And we Mm -hmm. started treatment and he was really on a very integrative protocol. So he was on antibiotics, um, both oral Mm -hmm. and uh, IV. He was on herbal supplements. He was on things that would help, you know, detoxify and cleanse out um, his body as well as um, a lot of immune modulators and trying to support his immune system. So he was on treatment for about 18 months. And I have to say there were lots of periods where there was a lot of hope. I mean, I could definitely Mm -hmm. see the link between his mood and, and the infection. So as we treated, for example, one thing that really really stunned me was Bartonella because as we were on a protocol that really targeted the Bartonella infection, his mood would change. And as I I researched and I started understanding that infection, Bartonella is really linked to that mood instability, the irritability, anxiety, a lot of the things that I saw as early symptoms with him, but just chalked it off to life, you know, the kids, the family, the pressures. Of course you chalk it off. Of course you do that. Yeah. And in hindsight, now I realize that those were early symptoms, you know, that even the depression, that, that was, that's absolutely a sign and a symptom of Bartonella. And so, um, you know, as we treated, a lot of those things alleviated and we were able to find supplements that really supported his brain chemistry. And we saw massive improvements in mm. his physical because he started, he didn't, he didn't present with joint pain, which I think a lot of people think of Lyme. They think of pain and mm-hmm. joint pain. He didn't have any of that until his neurological progression was was pretty advanced. Um, Declining, okay. But he did have it. And through treatment, he um, he did start to get alleviated from all of that pain. And a lot of his cognitive mood uh, instability went away. But over time, it was almost like um, trying to put out a forest fire, you know, with with buckets. Mm. Like we, I felt like we would make progress, and then he would fall backwards, and the cognitive decline continued to the point where I wasn't able to care for him. He was requiring full time care. We had two young children at the time who were five and eight, um, and I, I ended up having to make the very difficult decision of putting him into a resident care facility um, where he still oh is today. Gosh. And yeah. I'm so sorry. So it's been a very difficult journey. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Nicole. Is there, is the, is the prognosis, is it, is it still where it currently is? Is it, um, will it change at all? He's continued to decline and his, um, he's really in the final stages of the disease at this point. He's not communicating. He doesn't recognize me. I mean, it is, there are lots of research that links the the bacteria mm-hmm. associated with Lyme to Alzheimer's disease. And that sure. is a potential cause. And so the phenotype and the reactions that he's having are very mm-hmm. typical for that disease. And yeah, it's so sorry to, hear that. to the point where, yeah, we've decided that it's just better to let him be at peace. Well, I 
I definitely honor your, I honor everything that you've experienced and I, I can't, I have no words for it. And I, it sounds trite from you to say anything, but thank you for sharing that with us. I think so many people can relate with, with loved ones that they have and whatever, whatever stages of life they are. And I'm so glad to have someone like you be able to tell us and teach us this as far as what, what we don't know, you know, there's so much we don't know, but obviously there's, there's so much that can be learned, but it is important to have the proper treatment team working with a patient. With the people listening right now, what would be the, what would be the, the biggest thing you would have them be aware of? So we talked about some of the symptoms. We talked about the, um, the, the irritability, the, the mood instability, rather the, the rage, uh, the forgetfulness. And there are many different markers that Lyme has for people. You said perhaps even the joint, the joint and muscle, um, joint and muscle pains. What would be some major things that people just don't aren't aware of that you think would be additional things we could learn as as we as we hear you talk about this? Yeah, I think the the link to the depression and mood was a huge one for me. I, you know, I think so many of us chalk off signs and symptoms that we have, whether it's a, you know, being a little bit fatigued, maybe it's being a little depressed, maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit of extra joint pain, you know, these things, I mean, who doesn't have something that they complain about, right? I mean, we all have our, yeah. our little idiosyncrasies that we yeah, deal with. And I think that the thing that I've really come to appreciate is to listen to those symptoms and to try and understand. I mean, that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you panic at every little thing, but if a person has changed in a significant way from who they were, like Russ had changed from who he was and, but you kind of rationalize it away. Um, that's really not something you should do. You need to listen. You need to pay attention to the signs and symptoms and dig. And sometimes, you know, when you go to the doctor, you really have to push and you have to be your own advocate. I mean, I used to think of the doctor more as like this white knight that would come in and solve all of your problems. And maybe that is, I realize now, I guess how naive that is because, you know, you spend 15 minutes with them every, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe once a month or less frequent. And how is it possible that they're going to figure out the, the, small little things that yeah, may be going on with a very complex system. I mean, humans are extremely mm-hmm. complex mixture of genes and nutrition and, you know, all sorts of biochemistry that is very difficult to decipher. And so you, you really need to be much more in tune. And now when I work with doctors, I, I, I think of them more as an advisor where, you know, I go in mm-hmm. with my list of questions, my list of symptoms, you know, what are my things that I'm, I'm concerned about? What do I want to test? And, and sometimes you need to push on the test. I mean, I think that mm-hmm, if, if yeah. you think if you're a person that has been exposed to ticks and that you've been tested and you've tested negative, you really ought to press on that. I think that's something that I've really gotten my eyes open to is to, how much that going to a, a facility or a laboratory that really specialize in tick-borne illness testing is important because what's out there and what's recommended is is really quite antiquated and insufficient. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you were saying as far as a PCR, so to have, if, if anyone who is, has been tested for Lyme disease and it comes back as negative, as you said, 29% of people, uh, or only 29% of people are test positive for it. So you were saying to have them test for the PCR instead. And so that's something that they could ask their doctor about. They could push for that a little bit further to see if that is, if that is, if they really are, um, were exposed to that. 
Yep. And and I think sample collection type matters too. So one thing that is good, especially for Lyme disease, not as much for some of the other co-infections, but it tends to congregate in the bladder. And so urine tends mm. to actually be a better sample for Lyme disease testing than blood can be. Interesting. So, you know, it's useful mm. to really look at different sample types for different types of co-infections. And there's certain labs that are known, like Igenix is really good for certain types of Lyme and Borrelia and Babesia. Um, or sorry, Babesia and Bartonella. Um, Galaxy Diagnostics in North Carolina is really well known for Bartonella. Um, there's a company in California called Vibrant America that does a, a really comprehensive panel which covers lots of different diseases. So there's there's ones wow. that are out there that a Lyme literate physician would utilize, which is much more okay. amenable to early detection than the CDC standard method. Wow, you, you've taught us so much. You know, and all this can be found in What Lurks in the Woods, the book that you wrote. The book itself, so it's a memoir. So it goes through your own journey, your emotional journey, goes through every process as well. What, what do you want the biggest takeaway for people to have, to, to have when they read this book? I mean, it really is a personal journey. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. I wrote it, I wanted it to be our story, and I wanted to show the harsh reality of you know, being a caregiver and going through and and trying to navigate a medical minefield, you know, and figure out what's going on with chronic illness. Because unfortunately, yeah. Russ is not unique in, you know, having a, a mysterious illness that you don't know what the root cause is. And the medical community sometimes doesn't help you figure it out. So mm-hmm. um, I really just wanted to share our journey so that people felt that might be in a similar situation, may, maybe feel like they're not alone. They feel yeah. empowered to push on their doctors and on their community to try and figure out for those answers and that they learn from our experience and maybe understand that the signs and symptoms that they see, you know, are something that they should heed. And I'm hoping that, you know, people read it, they connect with our story. I've had so much wonderful feedback. Mm, It just launched last month and people have connected with it and really have helped them process and see things in their life. And, um, you know, that that helps other people because that's, you know, creating a reason for all of this and sharing our story is really the most important thing. Yes. And you've done a fantastic job. And once again, I'm so sorry that we had to meet under these circumstances, but I'm very blessed and honored to have you on my show. And also just to have your your insights and, and everything you've learned to be able to teach us as well, because, you know, I was talking to you in the pre-call about some people I know that I definitely want them to watch the show, purchase your book as well, so that you have these understandings of perhaps there's maybe a little bit more than what they've been told. Yeah. Yes, I I absolutely think there is. And I encourage people to dig. Yes, thank you. Well, Nicole Bell, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find more information about you and to purchase this book one more time, What Lurks in the Woods, where would they find this information online? So the book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or really anywhere books are sold at What Looks from the Woods. And you can also find me on my website, uh, Bell, And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at the same handle, Nicole Danielle Bell. Excellent. My listeners also know that if you cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you all with Nicole's information. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. Thank you for having me today. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, 
visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.